Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, my brothers and my sisters in Christ. How was your week last week? How did it go? What was your mood like? Did you have to take a break from social media, from the messaging about Tuesday and after Tuesday, after the votes were tallied? Did you just get sick of it? Did you say, along with so many of us, so many have said, wow, we really are more divided now than ever? Did that hit you? Did you catch yourself, though, thinking about the other side, whichever that is for you? Did you catch yourself thinking of them as the evil ones? Meanwhile, you and we are on the side of virtue and morality, and if only they would just see the virtues and the values that we hold dear. If only they would just concede to us, then we could have peace. You see, so many people, whether online or on TV or out in the world, make it their business to sow seeds of division. And we can blame them for the divisions right now that we're experiencing in our culture, in our country, but isn't it us who are following, falling for that kind of language, the us versus them stuff? And I promise this sermon is not about politics, but it is about division. Paul wants to talk about division, but a division that has actually very little to do with Tuesday and with the results of Tuesday. The only division in the end that really matters and how it's a miracle that any of us can be on the right side of that division. Paul wants to encourage us today that we are saved from the division that really really could undo us as human beings. That's what he's doing for the Thessalonians. That's what God is doing for us through this inspired letter. The church in Thessalonica, this Greek city in the Roman Empire, it sprung up real fast. It had to. Paul went to the Thessalonian synagogue and he preached the gospel to people, showed that Jesus was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, and quite a few people believed him. And they believed in Jesus. But no sooner had a church formed and started that persecution happened and Paul had to leave. You see, there was division in Paul's day too. This division that we're experiencing in our day and age isn't exactly new. Human beings have always been prone to finding a reason to call someone else the enemy and pretend that they're virtuous. It wasn't, it wasn't even 20 years after Jesus had died and risen from the dead, that people started worshiping him. So people thought that this Christian movement was a brand new invented thing, and they thought it was a threat. Because people were leaving the, the Greek temples to the Greek gods and the sacrificial system to them. People were stopping uh, participating in the emperor worship of the Roman emperor cult, and People were leaving the form of Judaism that had become popular at the time for this thing called Christianity. And they didn't like it. They didn't like the way they divided themselves, so they persecuted them. Paul had to leave very quickly because the persecu persecution got hot, and so he didn't get to do as much teaching as he would have liked to. He planted the seed 
it was growing. The Christians in Thessalonica were believing and they were living their faith, but they were confused about end-of-life issues, about the afterlife, about Judgment Day, and about everything in between. In fact, there was this rumor that was the cause for Paul to even write this whole letter to the Thessalonians, a rumor that Judgment Day had already come and gone. Can you imagine? What would change about your life if you were caused to believe, if you were led to believe that Judgment Day had come and gone. At the very least, you would be confused, right? What are we doing here then? What is our life about? What are we working towards? What is the event on the horizon we are supposed to look forward to? At the least, you would be confused. At the most, you would be despondent. What are we, what's going on? The suffering that we're enduring right now, is there going to be no end to it? And that's how the Thessalonians felt. They were in distress. They were in panic mode. Because if there were no judgment day, if there were no future day of restoration and retribution, that meant the persecution they faced right now had no end in sight. That this suffering they were enduring was going to endure into eternity, maybe. They didn't understand. Now, we have the Bible in its entirety. We can search the scriptures for answers to our questions. We can know about Judgment Day. We confess that we understand with our heads that Judgment Day is coming every time we say the creeds in Sunday worship, every time you pray the Lord's Prayer, every time you say, God, your kingdom come, you're asking for Judgment Day to draw closer and closer. So we get it with our heads. Maybe it's a Sunday school knowledge, though, but how about our hearts? Despite having better knowledge than the Thessalonians, is it possible that we could emotionally fall for the same trap laid for them? That we could live, that we could think, that we could behave as if Judgment Day isn't coming or doesn't matter? That there is no future day of restoration, retribution, or of justice, and therefore it is up to us to make justice happen right now. That God doesn't actually care about the suffering that we are enduring, so we have to do something about it, or at least freak out about it, to believe, to live, to feel as if God isn't going to do anything about our life situation. Are we living like Judgment Day won't happen? Brothers and sisters, Paul and God want us to see that saying that Judgment Day won't happen is like telling my four-year-old that we're going to skip celebrating his birthday this year. He would reel in horror. Saying that Judgment Day is not going to happen is like saying your court date is canceled for your class action lawsuit against the bank that mishandled your money and now as you broke, or against the hospital that mistreated your loved one and caused their death. That would be terrible, because then justice wouldn't happen. Paul writes this letter to the Thessalonians, and for our encouragement as well, Judgment Day is coming. There is that day when Jesus himself will come in fiery judgment and retribution, and he will punish evil. He will put sin and wickedness and death and the devil on the defendant's seat, that the court date is coming. We don't have to worry about missing it. 
But how in the world is this good news for us? How are we supposed to be comforted about the fact that Jesus is coming to take vengeance on his enemies? Who are his enemies? If Jesus is coming to wipe out sin, to blow it off the face of the earth, aren't we sinners? Who has sinned against Jesus if not you and me? Who doesn't deserve the receiving end of Jesus' justice if not us? So how can Judgment Day be an exciting thing, a thing to look forward to for us? See, brothers and sisters, this is the division. It's not about, in the end, Democrat, Republican, D.C., Marvel, Cowboys, Packers. It's Jesus versus evil. It's good versus bad. It's holiness versus wickedness. And Scripture says, by nature, we're on the opposing side. But that's what makes what Jesus did so amazing, so miraculous. In just a few short weeks, I know I'm looking ahead quite a bit, but we're going to celebrate Christmas. The day when Jesus went behind enemy lines and became a human being. One of us. Why? To rescue us from the opposing side. That Jesus would be born and placed in a manger but grow up living according to God's will in our place. To be nailed to a cross and to shed his blood. Why? To save us from what our own sins deserve from our own rebellion against all that is good and holy, to make our judgment day a happy occasion. That through your baptism, you were robed in Christ's righteousness for you, connected to his forgiveness and promised your future resurrection into eternal life, just like he rose. You are already dressed for your court date. You're already ready for judgment day through Jesus' forgiveness. There's no preparation left to do for you. And when your court date comes, it's not going to be you in the defendant's seat, but it's going to be the guilt of your sin, your death, the devil's power over you that will be condemned. Judgment day is the day where you will finally see, see justice, but you're not on the receiving end of God's justice. You are upheld and kept safe, restored by God's justice because he loves you. I think sometimes maybe we lose sight of what a miracle it is that any of us are no longer on the opposing side of Jesus. It's no longer you versus Jesus. He has brought you onto his team. Of the greatest division in the human race, the only one that truly matters in the end, you are on the safe side. So what Paul says to the Thessalonians is a comfort to you and me. All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to, those, to you who are troubled and to us as well. 
This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you, because you believed our testimony to you. Have you ever been in trouble or sad and you're sitting with a friend and they're trying to comfort you but everything coming out of their mouth is totally wrong. Like you're broken up about a, a breakup that you've gone through and they're trying to comfort you by saying, oh, it's okay, he was really stupid. And to be perfectly honest, you were kind of stupid for even considering dating him in the first place. Not what you need to hear at the time, is it? Regardless of if it's true or not. I could see how these words from Paul could seem like very little comfort for you and me, talking about how fiery Judgment Day is going to be, the punishment that is coming, but recognize what the Thessalonians were going through, what you and I can go through in this sin-filled world. This was something a little bit more serious, a little bit deeper hurt than just seeing a candidate other than your favorite win. This was even a little bit more serious than seeing the government uphold ungodly practices that even are themselves sinful. Because remember, the Thessalonians had no democratic process, had no recourse for making their voice heard to their government. Their government didn't care what they were going through. The Thessalonians had a suffering, a persecution they were enduring that was a lot closer to home because it was happening in their homes. Violence. Interpersonal violence. Not just political mudslinging, but interpersonal betrayal. The Thessalonians were being persecuted for their faith, for living differently than the people around them. And Paul is saying to them, what he holds out for them is not an avenue they should take to get out of that persecution. He doesn't tell them that they should grab signs and picket and, and protest the people who are persecuting them. Paul says, if you're being persecuted, good. That's the sign you're on the right side. If someone wants to sling mud at you and all they have to say is that you love Jesus too much, that you spend too much time in your Bible or at church, that you love your neighbor too much, and you love your neighbor in ways God says to, not just according to social custom or what's hot in culture at the time. If that's all people have to say to you, Paul says, take it as a compliment. And for the people who do, make it their business to persecute you, to oppose you, for the people who do, make it their business to make an enemy out of Jesus Christ and to continue living in a rejection of his forgiveness, Paul says, don't worry. Justice will come. But he says this so that we don't have to take justice into our own hands. You don't have to worry about making justice happen against unbelief. Jesus will do it himself. You can entrust it into his gracious care for you. 
But there's another reaction I would anticipate you have, because it's the one I had when I first studied this lesson. What about the people that I know who are right now on the wrong side? Am I supposed to be comforted by the fact that Judgment Day will not go well for them? Doesn't it incite our compassion for the people in our lives who we know still don't know about Jesus' forgiveness, still don't believe? And I think that's a good reaction. You're not misunderstanding Paul's point. Because Paul is not saying we should hide behind Judgment Day and wag it in people's faces when they make us feel bad. Well, you're going to burn one day anyway. That would be cold and uncompassionate and so antithetical to the gospel. But think about the Thessalonians. At one time, they were on the opposing side. At one time, they were unbelievers. But they didn't know the gospel of Jesus nor accept it. But then what happened? Paul says he came in with his ministry team and they told them about Jesus. And boom, the same miracle that happened for you when you were baptized or when you first heard the gospel happened for lots of Thessalonians. They crossed over from the opposing side to the safe side. Jesus saved them by saving their hearts. And God is doing that every day through the preaching and teaching of the gospel, just like he did for you, just like he did for the Thessalonians. He is changing people's judgment day from bad to good by creating faith in people's hearts. So if, you're my, if you read this lesson and your mind instantly goes to someone you know who doesn't know Jesus yet and you worry about them, follow that feeling. Follow your compassion and realize that you have something you can do for them that is so much more important than changing the way they vote next election, than changing what team they're going to root for later today, or changing their opinion on who could beat up Spider-Man the best. You can change their eternal destination. You have the gospel. Through the gospel, Jesus is working power every day to bless people, to change their hearts. It's just that somebody's got to tell them. Who better than us? Amen.